this morning I'm grateful um, to my dear colleague, Kiana. You know, every single week I tell you how grateful I am for my colleagues, because I really am grateful for my colleagues, because I know some of you, you know, you've got colleagues that even when they breathe, you're just like, oh God, you know. That's not my, that's not my anointing. That's not how God has set up this ministry. I'm really grateful for my colleague and for, for just her beautiful and generous um, Welcome and reminder that this month, June, is Pride Month. And I want to say that again. Happy Pride Month as the lead pastor of the Southeast Raleigh Table. Last summer, which feels so long ago, we had a Duke Divinity School intern by the name of Lara Arbery. And um, she said to me one day as I was wearing an equality t-shirt how important it is uh, for a pastor to show up for um, those within the LGBTQIA plus um, community. And I feel like it's incredibly important for me to say this day that I see you. For those of you who um, identify as queer, I see you. I see you and I love you. And I'm a better person and I'm definitely a better pastor because of the gifts and the ways in which you show up fully uh, in your lives. You help me to show up fully in my own life. I also um, want to say that I see you is because um, I don't take it lightly that oftentimes clergy, we have been conferred a power that um, when we mismanage that power can cause people to want to hide. So I don't take it lightly when what it looks like when we can be in relationship with one another, when there's actually space and grace and accountability to fumble towards repair, as Miriam Cabo would say. Um, because as human beings, we don't always get it right. And yet, this morning, I want to say I see you and I celebrate you and I am grateful for you. Amen. Amen. This morning, um, as our dear sister Kiana also shared, because I love my colleague, <laughs> that last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, which was the 50th day of, um, of Easter, but is also considered to be the, the birthday of the church when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus' disciples who are gathered in an upper room. Um, even though the season of Pentecost, there is really no season of Pentecost. We are what is called um, right now to be moving through ordinary time, kingdom time in the life of the church. However, we can be reminded over and over again that every single Sunday, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday can be a little Pentecost because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit doesn't just happen on some supernatural day that we call the 50th day of Easter, but every single day we can continuously ask for the power of God known through the power of the Spirit to be made evident in our lives. So this morning we're going to talk not just simply about the fact that even if we feel helpless, we are never powerless but also too to take seriously the power of power so that we are good stewards and good brokers of the supernatural gift that is given to us. So hear now these words from the 61st chapter of Isaiah, beginning with the first verse and we'll end with the fourth verse. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, God has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. In fact, that one line that says to give them a garland instead of ashes, some translations say to give them beauty instead of ashes. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display God's glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. But here, verse 1, once again, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. God has sent me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last Sunday, um, I shared with you that on the day of my, um, of my ordination, I received this stole. And the, um, the bishop said over my life, take thou the authority. Now let me just uh, say something about this particular stole. And the bishop also telling me... Um, to go out here and just to be a powerful five-foot preacher is that we can't be all willy-nilly with power, okay? Power is powerful. So we can't be all willy-nilly with, um, with power. So as clergy, even as a bishop places hands upon us um, and even puts this stole around us to remind us that we're going to operate from a supernatural power in our lives, we also take a vow to do no harm to do all the good we can and to stay in love with God. Another way of translating or understanding that with the stay in love with God is that we would not do anything that would injure other people's relationship with God. So as I um, heard those words, take thou the authority, it also came with a comma, but. Whenever we are people who have been given the gift of power, we always have to ask ourselves the examination question, how are we gonna use it? How are we going to use the supernatural gift that we have been given? Because we have power to build and power to heal and power to bring people in and power to offer up hospitality and power to make people feel seen. We also have power to uproot. We also have power to break down. We also have power to hurt and to harm. We can mismanage power. So I appreciate that um, as United Methodists, that's uh, the, the denomination that the um, Southeast Raleigh Table is a part of. Granted, there are some things that I might want to wrestle with the United Methodist Church about. I do appreciate that when people join the church, we ask this question, do you accept the power and freedom that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Hear the question again. Do you accept the freedom and the power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Basically, how will you use your agency? Because in asking the question, do you accept the power and freedom that God gives you to use your power uh, to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, we know that there are those who are going to answer that question, no. 
every single time we leave this church space on a Sunday morning, the reality is that we are surrounded by uh, policies and people and systems and institutions that respond, no, I will not accept the power and freedom that God gives me to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. And because of that um, no, there is this capacity to use power to harm in life-threatening ways. When we create policies that are life-threatening, when we use our power to subject people, when we use our power to make people feel small or that they must constantly prove their worth, when we use our power to cause people to have to hide, we have the capacity to mismanage power. And the thing is that sometimes um, we keep our eyes focused on like, oh, what's happening in government? Or, oh goodness, what's happening with legislation? Or, oh, what's happening with that other person who's doing something that seems so reckless? And we forget the granular ways that we can mismanage power. For some of you in this space, your parent was your first bully. When you needed someone to love you, power was mismanaged. Jonathan Merritt, who's a beautiful writer, um, said this week on Twitter, like, the church should be the safest space for people to show up. And yet he also shared um, a statistic that 30 to 55 um, percent of our queer siblings who stay in church are more likely to die by suicide. I cannot, we cannot take it lightly when we mismanage power. And none of us are immune to being seduced to wanting to use power over and not power with. You know what's also really interesting? <laughs> Is that those who mismanage power never ask for permission. When people are going to write wild policies, they don't ever say, I wonder how people feel about this. So why would we ask permission? We who believe that there is a power within us to bring us home to ourselves, that Christ's power within us that helps us to shed our insecurities or greed or the ways in which we might try to deceive ourselves or not show up fully, this power that's able to help us to know what it is to be whole and to be well, to see ourselves and to see others as the divine, this Christ-shaped power that is within us. Also, too, that we are imbued with a power upon us, a power that allows us to move mountains, maybe not literal mountains, and also, too, to be ambassadors of the Most High God. That bit by bit, because of the power that is also upon us and also moving through us, helps us move the world as it is, to the world as it should be. I mean, I'm looking at you and, and I, I mean, you might not think that that's the kind of power you have, but you really do have this kind of power. Yeah. 
We have the power to resist, and we also have this power to unleash. So in the first four verses of um, Isaiah chapter 61, as the prophet Isaiah is speaking to God's people who find themselves in exile, these four verses that when Jesus has come out of a 40-day season in the wilderness and then goes into the temple, these are the, the, the words that Jesus reads from the scroll from Isaiah chapter 61. And then it says, Jesus sits down and says, the scripture has been fulfilled, basically like, bam, you know, this is me, you know. In, this, um, in these four short verses, the prophet Isaiah says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, that the spirit of the Lord God has anointed me to proclaim good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. It's the kind of power that that which looks like ashes can be turned to a garland of praise, that oil of gladness instead of mourning. That those who have this power upon them, it's as though that they can repair ruined cities. That they use their power to build and not to tear down. It is a stewarding and a management of power that moves towards freedom and liberation and deliverance and goodness. Notice that as um, Isaiah is speaking about this anointing upon this one who has this power, it is moving in the direction of God's obedience to make all things well and whole. There is no mention of a power to like condemn, a power to subdue, a power to break. Instead, literally, like we will be like oaks of righteousness, like those who cannot be moved, whose very presence speaks to deliverance and liberation and freedom. So I wanna ask you, or I want to invite you, excuse me. I want to invite you if it feels comfortable for you just to place your hands on your heart or hand on your heart. In this prophet, uh, in this prophetic word in Isaiah chapter 61, in these first four verses, scholars tell us that the me is actually not referring to Isaiah. The me is general, meaning anyone. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, you, the Spirit has anointed you, me. You can let your heart not be held. The upon me is us. And maybe the spirit of the Lord God upon us might not look like leading protests. Because I think sometimes when we think about brokering power, we always think about it in very public ways. It may not necessarily look like leading a prison ministry. It may not be that you are a great orator who always has a microphone who is like shouting down the third heavens or dismantling policies or that your face is plastered in all these places where people are saying, oh, that's the power broker, that's the power broker, that's the power broker. It might not look like that. 
But what I know is that the upon me might look like you're the kind of person who offers the kind of hospitality in your home that when people gather around the table, they see, feel visible and seen and worthy. Maybe the upon me looks like you actually advocate that everyone at your job gets a vacation so that they don't have to hustle for rest. Maybe the upon me is that you are the kind of person that when you look someone, you look them in their eyes and you say, I see the Jesus in you and you see the Jesus in me and whatever this world says about you is not true. The upon me might look like you show up at a one-way meeting here at the Southeast Raleigh table because you know that you cannot just broker power by yourself, but you need to broker power with other individuals so that we can actually make sure that our neighbors in Wake County have places to live and equity and public education and make a living wage. Maybe your upon me looks like you actually listen to children when you ask them, what do you need? For to such as these belong the kingdom of God. Maybe some of you, as my dear friend um, Aaron Lane would say, you are ruthlessly present to those who mourn. It might not look like something grand. But upon me and upon you there is a power. And what upon us, this power that is upon us, it does no harm and it does all the good that it possibly can. And it helps us to know that we are loved by God. I started with this question and that is, we all have power though we sometimes might feel helpless but how are we going to use it? But I wanna end with this question. Do you accept the freedom and the power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, those of us this power upon us, might you say, we do. In the name of the one who creates, sustains, and redeems, amen. Will you pray with me?